You know, that's a very interesting talk you gave on sin. Sin is something which is, besets each and every one of us, and it would do us all a lot of good to focus on our own sins rather than the sins of others to make sure we're right with God. A lot of people like to point at everybody else when we really need to be taking care of our own backyard. And how are we going to help others if we cannot help ourselves? The message of the gospel is one of helping others. After all, the ultimate helper of all is the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he did. Now, I just love the Bible. There's so much in it. It's just, you will never cease to learn new things. If somebody tells you I've read the Bible and I know everything about it, clearly they haven't read the Bible because they don't know anything about it. (laughs) You're only beginning. And some of the most wonderful things which we can find are often found by accident. Now, I will be honest, when they started teaching us Greek in school, I dreaded it. It was terrifying. It was a, the bane of our existence for an entire year, the equivalent of two years. It drove, nearly drove us all crazy. But now I use it all the time because it has enriched my study life in the Greek. And while going through the Philippian, um, the, letter, the Philippian letter that Paul wrote, I noticed that there were 67 words in Greek that seems a little bit different to the other words around it. And lo and behold, in ancient Greek, those 67 words were a poem. And they would have understood it like that, and we don't readily see that in English. You see, people often will read over without much musing on, on what people are saying. And when we're looking at the, this verse in Philippians, which would be Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, we will see a poetic pondering on the message of the gospel itself. And it is believed by a great many people that these verses were sung as a hymn by the early Christians to remind themselves of the gospel story, the gospel account. Of course, it was evident to them who were fluent in Conley Greek, but it's far too often lost to us students of the Bible in, in other languages and other cultures. Well, Paul was in prison when he wrote this poem in the mid-50s A.D., and it is constructed in three three-line stanzas in the Greek, with the middle line declaring the revolution that defeated Satan and overturned the world. And to them, this was a revolution, really. It wasn't a bloodless revolution, of course. Christ's blood is what started it. While reading this poem, these verses, Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11, we read, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I want to draw your attention to three very special declarations here. First of all, Paul is specifically recalling Christ's sacrifice at the center of this victory. Everything moves out from this victory. Secondly, he reminds us of the means of Christ's achieving this victory. 
In the first half of the poem, we see how Christ is the opposite of Caesar. By refusing to exploit others for his own gain, the glorious results of Christ's death upon the cross was the means of establishing the kingdom of God on earth by taking upon himself the sin of man. At Calvary, cruel as it was, the new covenant was established, and this was humanity, not just physical Israel, put into the covenant. Jesus accomplished the overthrow of the powers of darkness. That had enslaved his creation since Genesis. Thirdly, Paul reminds the church of their new identity in Christ. We need only read the next, the first four verses of the second chapter to understand the context of Paul's thoughts. And remember, always take the scripture in context. Keep it between the ditches so you don't go into one. In Philippians two verses one to four, that uh, Paul writes. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfil ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also to the things of others. The poem at its heart is a celebration of victory. It's this beautiful recounting of the gospel message that he's sharing. Paul reminds us that our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, gave himself for us in accordance with the scriptures. An act so selfless that it changed and still changes lives. The second half of this poem reminds us of Christ's rule. It is an absolute rule, one that is unmovable by the forces of darkness that are, are through Jesus Christ defeated. So let us forever be thankful for our most holy and divine Redeemer, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1 and verse 13. And you can just imagine them singing this song in ancient Greek. It would have rhymed to them. It would have been beautiful. And they would have, by singing this, reminded themselves of the gospel account. Why does a victory? Who we're loyal to? Why, cre why Christ is Lord in all the ways that Caesar isn't? Now, Christians are to be selfless and not selfish, which is a complete opposite of what Greek culture told people and Roman culture told people. You be selfish. Be selfish all you like. You just check their religion. It was all about selfishness and all what I can get and all about self-pride and, and, and self-promotion. Yet, along comes Christ and the kingdom and it's all about service. In the original Greek, the poem again was only 67 words long. But they were loaded with spiritual insight and power. Let us hold on to these words of power and declare as Paul does in Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. If you're not a Christian tonight, get into Christ as soon as you can.
Obey the command of Christ to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Mark 16, 16. And if you are a Christian, you need our prayers. Remember, our king still rules. The Caesars of his day are gone. Their empire lies in ruins. It doesn't matter how many years this world will last or how far the human race will spread. The fact is, Christ is king and he'll outlast all of them. If you're not a Christian, become a part of his kingdom and find salvation that is everlasting there. Thank you.